retail and fashion brands now have an unprecedented window onto when, where, and how people shop. Consumer data is everywhere, but insights are hard to come by. Up next, a deep dive into how one of the industry's leaders is making sense of all those bites. Welcome to WWD Voices, where we share the latest fashion, apparel, and retail industry insights. Welcome to WWD Voices. I'm Arthur Zagowitz, and I'm joined here with co-host Evan Clark. Today, as part of the Retail's Responsible Reset series, sponsored by Accenture, we'll be speaking with Valia Carboni, Chief Digital Officer and Technology at VF Corp, which is the powerhouse owner of brands such as Supreme, Fans, The North Face, and Timberland. Uh, she's going to help us uh, go deep on data. Welcome, Valia. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for being here with us today. So it, it's not hard to make a case that big data and the use of all of the kind of shopping nuance that's collected and parsed by every brand today is one of the most important and transformative changes in the industry. But it all still seems like a little bit of a muddle. Everybody talks a big data game, but you still kind of get the sense that everyone's talking about something a little bit different. So I wanted to start kind of right at the top and go in. Where does all this consumer data that you're using come from? Evan, great question. Uh, where does data come from? Data comes from a lot of different places, but many times we categorize data by first-party data and third-party data. First-party data, I'll give you a few examples. Someone logs into our website. Um, someone enrolls in our loyalty program. Someone walks into one of our stores. Um, someone calls into customer service. We, as you know, VF, are gathering information that way. Third-party data comes from you know partners that we work with, you know, like the Googles and the Apples, et cetera, where you're gathering information that sometimes is not specific to the actual consumer, but you get more generic, high-level type data. And what we do, and then the third form of data I will mention is consumer insights. And that type of data gets more at very general kind of trend type information of what's happening in the industry. So as a company, you bring all of that together. Um, and that's when we that's when all the fun starts to begin at the company. Yeah. That's, so it, it's a lot of data coming from a lot of different directions. And, it, you know, it sounds like a big kind of, you know, being a wash in information. How how do you and, uh, you know, a company like VF, how, how do you make sense of that? And what are the skills needed to process it all and understand it? Yeah, and I and I will tell you, I mean, obviously, we've been gathering data for years, and it's it's, it's a skill that we've had in-house for a while. Uh, we are, you know, aggressively continuing to evolve our, our skill set, both in the brands, and VF is a portfolio company, as you folks know. Um, also from a center and how we support the brands. But a lot of what we do is it's really about gathering the data and then how do you organize and cleanse the data in a way that it actually helps you inform business decisions or the way you engage with the consumer. And that's where more of the science starts to come in on, on, on really harnessing the data in a way that it's more usable because otherwise you've got a lot of data coming in to your point earlier. Um, it's more than how do you parse that data out so we spend a lot of time working with the brands to understand, hey, what is the business case you're trying to go after, use case you're trying to go after? What are you trying to, what kind of behavior are you trying to 
drive with that consumer? Or on the side of business data, what are we trying to drive differently, whether it's merchandising, pricing, whatever it may be? And then based on that, you pull in the right sources of data, and then that's when you start to do the modeling. So it's a few different steps to get to that final output. So it's not necessarily just looking at all all this information. It's kind of knowing at the start what you want to get out of that information. Absolutely. Yes, because you're bringing in millions and millions of pieces of data. When you think about how large we are, the vast number of consumers that we're touching, and again, all those different data sources when that all comes in. So it really then comes down to what are you trying to drive? And then pulling that kind of data into, um, you know, a, a database or wherever we're sourcing the data um, from. And then that's when you run the analytic type models. Right. So and that's where uh, uh, AI, artificial intelligence comes in. And you can't you're not looking at, at these millions of pieces of information. You're, you, a machine is helping kind of sift through it. Yeah, I'd say I wasn't even getting at the AI yet, but I thought that would come up as a question. Yeah, no, it's... (laughs) There's work that happens even before you have to get to that level of sophistication where you, like for us, given the vast number of brands we have, you can run, um, say, a a pricing model that could be used across, you know, a variety of brands. And you you don't have to always apply AI to that. A lot of that comes back to having the right data skills in house where they can build models that kind of run algorithms, think of it as an algorithm, and then that will spit out an answer. Now, as we get more sophisticated and as you want to build in more automated intelligence or build, you know, even more sophisticated scenario modeling, that's where you can use AI to to make that process go faster. But not everything requires AI. Um, so I want to make sure that I'm clear on that. A lot of that. Yeah. yeah. No, that that's 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 great. So can you give us an example maybe of of a, 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 a the question that you bring to this mound of data that you have and, and how the how that how that process works? Yeah, I'll, I'll share one example. Um, so we with uh, one of our brands, the North Face, wanted to run um, a scenario around backpacks. Backpacks are a big business for us, you know, back to school and backpacks. Um, So what we did is we gathered a lot of information, um, past purchases um, by zip code um, to to try and understand types of backpacks depending on where you lived um, in the country. So this was a a US-based study. And based on that, we were able to model what which backpacks should be allocated uh, depending on which part of the country that um, you know we had stores in because we saw an aptitude for certain types of backpacks in one part of the country and not in the other and maybe weather dependent we brought in weather data in, into that particular scenario as well so there were several factors that drove kind of the decision on how we did product allocation but it was interesting because you know it's not something you know the everyday person would think about but even a backpack which seems simple we all buy them for our kids going back to school it it did vary depending on where you lived in the country right i'm sorry do you um kind of look at uh, predictive analytics so create your own predictive analytics based on the data that you generate Yes. So predictive analytics is part of what we do, especially when you talk about allocation, um, you know, consumer demand. Again, the way we allocate to stores, sizes, colors, all that sort of stuff, you absolutely have to have the modeling to be able, you know, to have product where we know our consumers are going to show up. So so it's interesting. So I was thinking, I was imagining that you're have all this data and are kind of pulling through it and trying to figure out and then going back and trying to convince 
the sort of operation, the, 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 the brand itself to say, this is what you, this is where you need to go. This is what you need to do. But it's kind of, you don't need to convince the brand or, or the operating kind of people to do what the data is telling. They're all, it does, it's coming from them. It's coming from that side of the business. And it's all working together. Absolutely. Everything we do starts with our brands, which really is our consumer. Um, and we work there. We work hand in hand with our brands. What we do from a, a central perspective, think of it, we build these uh, tools or capabilities that we can then scale and leverage across a variety of brands. The other beautiful thing as you start to get into more of this is that you can leverage a lot of those same models, like I mentioned before, across brands. And that's where we get scale as a portfolio company. But absolutely, the business cases, the use cases, the consumer engagement, that starts at the brand. And then we source, um, we do a lot of the support around sourcing and cleansing of the data, helping them organize the data, the brand data lakes, all of that. Like you can do that centrally um, because it's a repeatable process. Um, but what the brands want to drive absolutely lives in the brands. Right. So when, when you start off there, when you, when you start off making kind of business decisions and kind of looking at problems through the lens of how am I going to use data and analytics and insights to kind of do this. How does that change the business? Does it does it lead you down different paths? Are you faster? Is there things cheaper? Or how how's it start? What's it what's it really mean to be starting with data? Well, I, I would say we talk about consumer centricity. Everyone wants to be about the consumer and, and ensuring that we're doing the right thing for the consumer. Part of that could be around engagement. Part of that could be of having the right product in the right place at the right time. There's a variety of different reasons um, of what we want to do with the data. So what I think data is really helping us do is make those decisions in a much quicker fashion and anticipate the needs of those consumers in a much more automated way. I mean, you think back years ago, when everyone was using Excel spreadsheets, you know, just the manual labor that went into getting those models done, you know, by the time you probably finished out the month, you're already into the next month. So what this does give us, it absolutely gives you speed. But I think more importantly is if we say we want to be focused on that consumer and consumer centricity, satisfying that consumer is the most important thing. And I do think that ensuring that we've got the right products and and really understand what the consumer needs are, um, that's the most important thing. And I think that's where we're winning. So what's the, that, that makes me wonder what the the competitive kind of landscape is then in using data, right? Because everybody, retailers of all stripes, everyone, all, big companies of scale and even much smaller companies are all talking about how they're using data and insights and analytics. Is your data better than other people's data? Are you smarter at parsing it what's the you know can you if you're not good enough on one thing can you just go out and buy that capability what's the you know i imagine a new uh, kind of arms race here yeah so i i'd say I'd focus less on on our competitors i think where vf is at a great advantage we're a portfolio company we've got diverse brands so when you think about the types of data that we're collecting, I mean, we touch, let's use the U.S. as an example, we must touch almost every American in some way because of the diversity of brands we have. And I think that richness and that data is, some, is something that most competitors do not have. So now what we do with that is really important and the harnessing of that data and obviously doing it in a very private and secure way because that is top of mind every day when we talk about data. Um, that's where we're getting a lot more sophistication. How do we do it? We've brought in a lot of great resources. So we've got great skills um, that we've been continuing to invest 
over the last few years. We buy capabilities. Uh, the great thing about the world we live in today, others are experts in some of these areas. So there's great tools you can just go out and buy and then integrate into our environment. Uh, in other cases, some of those analytic models, we do build those internally. We have data scientists on staff. So a lot of that sophistication, uh, we are absolutely building in-house. But it is a hybrid model, and I think anyone that you speak to would say that. But I, I do want to, again, say that I think the advantage VF has is the breadth of brands that we have. Um, just it, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, and, and lastly, with all the privacy laws changing and third-party data starts to go away, first-party data becomes even more strategic and critical. And I think we're just really well positioned with the work and choices right. we made. So you don't you don't lose access to to, no. to the the law the law doesn't change and and you have multiple kind of feeds coming hey, in a uh, value. Oh, part, let me just clarify one thing, uh, Evan, with first party data because people are opting in for that. That's what doesn't change with a lot of those privacy laws. And obviously, we've got privacy attorneys all over this um, on top of it. But that's the beauty of opting in for some of this. A consumer is giving you the right to leverage their data responsibly, of course. Uh, Valia, what is the um, kind of your perspective on like the creative side? Uh, you know, a lot of designers, a lot of product designers, developers, you know, they get all kind of bent out of shape when you start talking about AI and using data and, you know, it's going to take their jobs away. <laughs> is it, does it help inform what, how they create and, and how they develop products? Yeah, absolutely. And that that's the sophistication you start to move down. So a lot of what we've talked about even today uh, has been around consumers and understanding who the consumer is, um, having business data, so product data, uh, merchandising data, pricing data, so more from the business side. The beauty of where we are, are evolving to is how do you use data to inform consumer experiences real time, how to drive uh, what we actually choose to make from a product perspective, but then also how do you drive the right experiences? So our designers, both physical product designers and then the digital experience designers, they're actually super excited. I mean, this almost makes their job a little bit easier, right? Because you've got access to real time insights that much faster. When you think about the way we used to do things, which is still a key part of you know, the data, data gathering, but you'd have to go out and do some usability. You'd have to go out and do user testing. Took a long time to get that sort of stuff. But today, having some of this data at your hands, you could do a lot of A-B testing out there, get feedback online. And, and then again, you're harnessing that data, bringing it back in, and you can share that out much faster than the way we used to do things. And our developers, I have to say, they really do like it because again, a lot of the data feeds back into the way that they're creating and making things, right? So it's an, it helps inform their job. So I actually have not heard as much friction or pushback um, internally. So you said that you're you're touching practically every American, or not touching, but or of getting some kind of insight there. And and I think that's one of the things everyone's trying to figure out is, you know, who's out there? Who who are the consumers? And you know how how are they? How have they changed during the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a lot of uh, behavioral changes. Uh, obviously, things have gone more digital, as we all know. Um, it's become an even more critical channel uh, for consumers. Uh, I think the other thing, the more human side that I f have found particularly interesting is, you know, that sense of wanting to belong to community. So I think membership programs, loyalty programs, whatever we want to call them, I think they're even a bigger 
opportunity because people want to be part of something. People want to belong to something. They want to be with people like them. And I think that's been really fascinating to watch our enrollment and some of the programs that we've put out there um, and making those more rich. It's not just about products you're buying with VF, but it's about how do we provide more education things. So if you're a North Face um, you know, consumer, how, how do you talk to other people that are like you that are into climbing or hiking, whatever your you know, hobby may be, or vans, that more creative side? That's what's been really interesting to watch that even the way we've evolved, it's much more about relevant real-time content. Doesn't have to be perfect. We've been scrappy in many ways. Uh, but getting it out there as fast as possible and getting people to engage much more than the way we used to think about these things. It was about discounts. It was about products. Um, and I think that's been a really interesting behavioral change. But I think it comes back to humans feeling the need to belong and 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 with people that are more like them. So it, it's interesting. So, you know, it's it's a, this is a discussion about data and you that like calls up images of AI and all, you know, artificial intelligence and all of this, you know, big banks of machines, but really it's using this technology and this information and this kind of access to create relationships, like human relationships. Yeah. So that's where I, sometimes I look at it as it's alleviating a lot of manual work. It's making us smarter to create those more rich, robust relationships. I think that's a great thing. It's not, sometimes people look at technology and they'll say, oh, it makes it less personal. I actually view it as the complete opposite. I'm able to deliver something that is even better and more um, relevant, uh, you know, that's something that you can relate to that much more. So I actually think it's exciting. And I think that human side of the way we talk about it, um, I think is really important. I think that was a big wake up call, I will say the last 18 months bringing in even more of that human side into the way we talk about data, the way we talk about experiences and the way we build products. Yeah, no, I was going to say that uh, uh, you had mentioned uh, consumer centricity. So how, and just from your perspective and, you know, as a, as a company that has so many brands, how do you think the consumer kind of shopping experience or journey has changed um, since the pandemic or because of it? <laughs> Yeah. And I think I would say that we were on the evolution of the change that we're experiencing over the last few years. I think what COVID did probably accelerated, um, you know, that transformation, but channels are, you know, the way people shop, I would say it's not that stores go away. I think that the channels have evolved what they do for the consumer. So I may walk into the store, uh, you walk into a van store. It's amazing. Our, you know, the staff at work, the associates that are in those stores, they've got so much energy, you're, you're coming in, you're experiencing the product. You may decide to, you don't want to carry the bag and you're going to buy and ship to home uh, from the store, or you may decide you'll just use your mobile device while you're in store and make that purchase. I think that's what's changed. It doesn't, one channel doesn't replace the other. I think the way that we use them is very different. I think mobile though, I mentioned mobile, I think that's been a big, um, continues to be a big uh, game changer of it's the always on device. It's always in your pocket. So we're seeing a lot more engagement, uh, obviously online specifically through that mobile device. Um, so that's where a big part of our focus is, is how do you evolve that? But more importantly, and what we're trying to do is how do you integrate that even more into those store experiences? Or if you call into one of our call centers and that cohesiveness behind the scenes. That, that's interesting. You, you talked about, you know, um, the in-store experience. Do, do you think the 
physical store is a place where consumers should experience the brand as well. Like that's how they, you know, kind of enjoy the brand and be part of that brand, you know, the community as well. Yes, I, I I do believe that. I think that when I walk into some of our, you know our our stores specifically, like if I walk into Vans, for example, like there's a community there. You hear the consumers walking in. There's just there's a really good vibe between that store associate and the consumer. There's there's something of interest of in common, and I think it comes back to what I mentioned earlier. It's that community feel, like you're part of something, and I think that's really important. And I think. What I didn't like during the pandemic when we were all in lockdown is I think missing out on that part. But I will say what Vans did is leveraging their loyalty program was bringing more live content to life. So we leveraged the digital channels to try and 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 mimic a little bit of what you were experiencing in person. But, you know, obviously as, as things have opened up, it's been really exciting to watch people coming back into the stores and wanting to have more of that human connectivity. But, but the conversion doesn't necessarily happen in the store. That's what you're also saying, right? Well, but no, I'm not saying that because I think it's, it's how do you, where do you um, account for the revenue? Because this is where data is going to really help. Because if I'm someone in the store, I've identified you in the store. It doesn't really matter if it's a store sale or it's an online sale. I just had an engagement in that store. Right. So I think it's less about that. To us, we're much more focused on engaging that consumer, keeping them in the family of the brand and, and having continuous touch points. And along that, those continuous touch points, we hope for transactions, right? So I don't, I don't view one versus the other. No, and it's interesting because in your kind of a lot of this, we're getting into this journey that the industry is on, that, you know, during the pandemic, especially, but over the past number of years of becoming more savvy in all these ways. Um, Valia, in a prior life, you were worked in the financial services sector, which kind of had its digital transformation earlier than fashion. And I, I, I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, what maybe what can um, what can we learn? What can the industry learn from the experience of the financial services? Yeah, great call out. Yeah. So we went through that transformation many years ago and it continues to go on as I talk to, you know, former folks in, the, in that industry. I think at the end of the day, regardless of the industry, people want relevant contextual experiences. They want to feel that you know who they are as a consumer and to be able to deliver things that are more relevant to me as a consumer. So don't sell me a hiking jacket if I've never hiked before, right? So know me as a consumer. I think that doesn't matter which industry you're in. Everyone wants that simple, know me sort of experience. So that personalization is really, really important. Um, so here too, we're focused on that. I'd say where it's a little different between industries is the ecosystem. So in financial services, we owned our ecosystem in many ways. Yes. You, you know, some of the wholesale businesses had third parties that we were selling through, but when I think of the retail business, which is more relatable here, you know, we owned every touch point that that consumer had. What's more challenging in this, in this space is the marketplaces. So um, if we're selling on, you know, one of these third-party channels, how do we still have some way to inform what that consumer experience is, what that consumer, you know, feels when they see our product being sold on a third-party site? Um, and I think there's a lot of great opportunities and technologies helping us there, too, to really own what we want that brand and that product to stand for. Um, and again, that's all part of the consumer journey. And I think that's the complexity here is that there's so many different 
touch points that are not owned by our brands? And how do we just keep that brand story alive? And so it very much, it's, it's, it sound, you've, sounds like you've got a lot of plates spinning all at once. You're doing lots of stuff. And a, a lot of this is still being developed. Can you maybe just as we as we move towards the end here, can you just set up the future? What's what's around the corner in in data and insights and and how that's going? How's that? You know, the game keeps changing from here, I'm guessing. How what's the next kind of round look like? Yeah, so I would say to our conversation earlier, informing products that are built will become an even bigger part leveraging data. I think the word personalization, I, I've always, I always joke, I think it's been an overused term for a long time. I think we're actually really going to be able to do it at scale much more intelligently and get even better at it as it goes forward. And I think this whole thing around first party data is, is absolutely critical. And in some ways, I think everyone was stressed. I actually am excited because I view it as an opportunity to own that relationship with that consumer even more so than what we had before. And if we're driving the right experiences and we're engaging with you in between transactional, you know, transactions and purchases, then we're just going to continue to evolve that relationship and it becomes even stickier. And I think that's the really important part of this data of really harnessing that data and then using that to make the right experiences, to create the right products. I, so I think it's a really exciting time. Um, I'd say that those are probably the two biggest areas of opportunity that we have. All right. It sounds like we'll have to come back and do this again in a few more years and, and, and the whole, the, it'll all be reset again. Right. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Value. That was great. I, um, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Evan, thanks for uh, kind of leading the conversation today. Uh, again, you know, this is part of a, a retails uh, responsible reset series uh, with the support of Accenture. So we'll be having others. So uh, keep an eye out. Stay tuned for more. Again, thank you, Valia. And uh, that was fantastic. Thank you both for having me. Really appreciate it. Ready, reset, grow. Accenture helps retailers around the globe embrace change to seize the future. Learn about the five imperatives of retail's responsible reset and how leading retailers are partnering with Accenture at Accenture.com forward slash retail.